This plan still needs to be approved by the school board, which will vote on these ideas in November. Here are the 12 schools the plan proposes closing. Sims, Pecan Springs, Maplewood, Brook, Palm, Metz, Ridgetop, Pease, Jocelyn, and Dawson Elementary Schools. It also proposes closing Webb Middle School and Bertha Sadler Means Young Women Leadership Academy. These students will be sent to a nearby school, which the district will renovate. Superintendent Paul Cruz says with fewer schools, students will have more resources. My goal here is to have as many kids as we can into new modernized schools. The plan also adds new programs to more than 30 schools across the district and outlines a few boundary changes. You can read all the details at KUT.org. Claire McInerney, KUT News. This is KUT 90.5. I'm Nathan Bernier. Uh, so, uh, yesterday we had just come back from back to school night. This is Jessica Wilson, a parent with a child in Brook Elementary School in Austin ISD. So we went from a packed auditorium and getting excited about the school year to tucking our little kid in bed and then opening up our phones and hearing this just devastating news. The news was that Austin ISD wants to close 12 schools because of declining enrollment. A lot of schools are under capacity. And as part of the changes, AISD wants to expand academic programs throughout the district. So a lot of parents today found themselves in the same position as Jessica Wilson explaining what's going on to their kids. We tried to talk about it in very high-level terms and to let her know that no decisions were made yet. She started to cry immediately. She wanted to know who was taking the vote and and why they would want to vote that way. That's a reasonable question for a kindergartner, for a person of any age. So we're going to try and answer that and some other questions. KUT's education reporter Claire McInerney has been covering this story. Hello, Claire. Hi, Nathan. To answer uh, Jessica Wilson's daughter's question, who's voting on this and why would they want to vote that way? Yeah, so the Austin School Board will vote on this in November. And this has been a discussion the district has really been having for years. But starting February of this year, the district finally said, we're super under-enrolled. Um, we have too many buildings that do not match the number of students going here, and we need to do something about it. It's financially not responsible to use your tax dollars to keep open buildings that don't have enough students. So yesterday's news came as the fruition of the work that's been happening since February to figure out which schools. And that's the drama and emotion today. Well, I want to ask you about enrollment because we keep hearing it's yeah. because of AISD is under-enrolled, AISD is under-enrolled. Mm-hmm. Can you explain how much enrollment has declined in AISD in the last five years? Yeah, it's huge. So, for example, in the 2014-2015 school year, five years ago, there were 46,000 elementary kids. This current school year, we have 39,000. So we lost 15% of our little kids. And where'd they go? They went to charters. We know a lot of kids are going to charter schools. And then they went to neighboring school districts where houses are more affordable, you know, and then that goes on middle and high school, too. So we're losing thousands of kids every year. It's not bouncing back and forth. It just keeps going down. It's projected to keep going down. That's kind of where the district is at and why they said this has to happen. So the discussion now is why the schools that were chosen. I want to ask you about those specific schools in a moment. But first, is this the final word? Will public input actually matter? 
Yes. When I I spent some time with district officials yesterday and asked this question, I phrased it as, you have been saying for months, this has to happen. You know, in the next few months, people are going to come to you and say, don't close our school. Don't change this. How effective are those pleas going to be? And they told me, we have to close and consolidate schools. That has to happen. So you're not going to all of a sudden in November find that no schools close. Where they do really want public input is... In this plan, there's also a lot of program additions or let's add this kind of experience in this side of town that you could convince them to tweak that in the next few months. Superintendent Paul Cruz told me he really wants to hear from the public about what do you want with these buildings that end up not being used for schools? What's the community need? Do we want to see that school as a community center? Do we want to use that school as something around affordability and affordable housing that we know is a situation here in Austin? So, for example, he just said affordable housing. In the plan, they specify that at Brooke Elementary, where Jessica Wilson's daughter attends, they want to use that for affordable housing for teachers. So teachers who teach in AISD could actually live in AISD. A lot of details here, and so much of this is really going block by block through the school district to look at the changes. We have a full post at KUT.org running through a lot of what's proposed here. And, of course, we are asking for you to submit your questions. You can do that in a number of ways, including at KUT.org or on our Facebook or Twitter pages so that we can try and find answers for you. KUT's education reporter, Claire McInerney. Thank you, Claire. Thank you, Nathan. Isela Gela was having a really good Thursday night. She had just left her first back-to-school night at Dawson Elementary, which is a special school to her. I have one four-year-old child, so I'm new to having a child in school. So, of course, I was really excited to have my son go to the same elementary school that I went to. She was excited to share part of her childhood with her son. She wanted to join the PTA and get involved at Dawson. She had this whole new part of her life opening up to her. Then she heard the news. So I was really kind of deflated uh, when, as I'm driving away from, you know, a a great time at the back-to-school night after, you know, meeting my son's teachers and seeing his classroom, to hear the news that uh, Dawson was on the list to be closed. She had requested a transfer to Dawson for her son. She liked the dual language program at the school. Plus, it's near her parents, who take care of her son after school. But now, she has to decide whether she'll keep him at Dawson until its proposed closure in 2024, or go somewhere else so her son can have more stability long term. She says she's not angry and that she understands why the district has to make this choice. Um, It doesn't make it easier for me, (laughs) you know, for the loss. But, um, you know, I do understand, you know, what reasons they may have. Coven Smith is also feeling that loss. His son is in first grade at Pease Elementary, which is an all-transfer school downtown. The students don't come from any one neighborhood. And that's something Smith says he likes about the school. Every family made a choice to be there and invest in the community. But since families come from all over the city to attend the school, they won't all get consolidated together. If Pease closes, all those students will be scattered to the wind. And Smith worries about how dramatic that shift would be for his son. Whenever that happens, that's going to be friends that he's had throughout his his school life, some of whom we'll see and, you know, some of whom we won't. And I said, I think for him, it will feel almost like we've moved to a new city when he goes to a new school. Unlike Geta, who says she understands why Dawson might be on the list, 
Smith says he and other Pease parents want to fight this decision. He says the fact that Pease was built in the 1800s and is a designated historical landmark makes the parents very protective of the school. This is an important part of Austin history, of Texas history, and that, you know, in many ways, like we as the you know parents who happen to be there now at this moment where this is happening, have a certain responsibility to those who came before us um, to, to try and keep this school open. At Metz Elementary, news that the school was closing wasn't a surprise to many teachers and parents. The school was already being talked about for a change because of under-enrollment. The 2017 bond included money for nearby Sanchez Elementary to get a major renovation. And while that's happening, students from both Metz and Sanchez are learning in the same building. But they aren't functioning as one school. Teacher Eva Rosenthal says for years, the two schools were almost competing for students because they were trying to boost their enrollment. Under the plan unveiled last week, they'll consolidate into one school. Rosenthal says everyone will have to work at bringing these two communities together. I just don't think that by just placing two communities in one building, it's going to happen on its own. I think it's really going to need to be positively facilitated. The school board will talk about the proposed closures at a meeting tonight. They'll also discuss a plan for community meetings to get feedback on the proposals. The board will take a final vote on the plan in November. Claire McInerney, KUT News. For now, we wait. District officials said they will take all of the comments and concerns that community members told them and use it to create a second version of this proposal. School board members have also said they will give district staff their input on the proposal. The second version of the plan with revisions should be available in early November, and the school board is scheduled to vote on the plan at the November 18th meeting. Claire McInerney, KUT News. It's not equality, which is giving every child the same opportunities, whether it's teachers, supplies, or programs. If things are equal, every student has the exact same thing. Equity is more nuanced. It means not every child gets the same resources because not every child needs the same stuff. So typically, children from low-income homes or English learners or who are homeless or having a learning disability all need more when it comes to their education. So the idea of equity suggests some students get more, some get less, to get them all to the same goal, whether that's reading by a certain grade or high school graduation. So why are we talking about this now? When the idea of closing schools started, the school board said it wanted to make sure these changes were equitable. The first page of the proposal repeats that. Stephanie Hawley, the district's new chief equity officer, is in charge of overseeing equity in all the district's policies. A few days after the proposal was released, she told the board at a work session that the goal of this plan is to move AISD toward equity for all students. Because we inherited a system that doesn't cause us to question what we're doing to children. And so our hope is with this work that we can begin anew and we can set an example for this region as to how we start to undo the racism that's doing so much damage to black and brown children. But many disagree that this plan does that. And this disagreement has launched a conflict between the district and the community. If we ask the question, who are these closings meant to benefit? There are two very different points of view. When 
the proposal came out, one of the first details many people noticed was that most of the closures would happen east of I-35. That concerns some critics of the proposal. They say it feels like the district is once again punishing the neighborhoods where Black and Latino families have lived and sent their kids to school. But Superintendent Paul Cruz said they chose those schools on purpose because when they close a school, they're going to combine it with another school community and build them a brand new building. And Cruz said the district wants to give the new buildings to those communities of color that have historically not gotten investments from AISD. Having a new building for underprivileged kids, it sounds nice in theory, but I think it's more of a representation of equality as opposed to uh, equity. That's Ricky Lowe, a research associate for the Institute for Urban Policy and Research Analysis at the University of Texas. He's studied school closures around the country. Because, yes, it's going to be nice. It's going to look modernized. It's going to have maybe all of the, the trimmings that the school across town is going to have. Um, but what about the actual programs? What about the teachers that are going to be there? That sentiment is also being echoed by parents. They'd like to see more academic programs, not just a shiny new building. Candace Hunter is a former teacher, and she's taught at mostly low-income schools in AISD. But she sent her kids to Maplewood Elementary, which is the opposite. Even though Maplewood is suggested for closure, she's more worried about the equity around closing other schools on the list. For example, consolidating Webb and Dobie Middle Schools. Both have mostly low-income students and high numbers of English learners. We know that you're just doubling the problems. She said if this consolidation came with a promise to provide instructional coaches for every subject at every grade level, as well as only hiring master teachers for the campus, then this consolidation might work. That promise, I say go ahead and do it. It's a fantastic idea. But without that promise, we're just creating another situation that we already have in the district. Hunter says she's not opposed to school consolidations. She just thinks some of these scenarios should be more planned out. So it's clear the change will not harm the students. And if closures do end up happening, she says for schools like Maplewood, Ridgetop, and Pease, where students come from more affluent families, it's equitable for these families to shoulder the burden. I think, especially for the Maplewood um, contingent, we're giving up the least. I really do believe we are giving up the least. We're moving. Um, But for some schools, the consolidation will overburden the teachers. It will overburden the parents. It will literally shock the students. And I really think that's where our focus should be right now. Not that it's an inconvenience that I have to drive one more mile. But nothing is official quite yet. And Holly, the chief equity officer for AISD, says the district is currently revising and plans to put out a new version of the proposal. And she says it'll hopefully look different. She admits that the first version was written without equity in the school district's history at the forefront. And she says if her training is working, version two will reflect that. That proposal will tell you where we are. The proposal right now tells you where we were in August. And version two is going to tell you a couple of things. Where we've progressed, where we've listened to the community, where our trustees have grown and listened to the community. And that document will be the living evidence of whether or not people really have uh, committed The district is expected to release the second version of the proposal by early November. Claire McInerney, KUT News.
The school district said they would release the second version of their proposal today. We were expecting it at four and then found out at the last minute that they're still working on the document. Dr. Paul Cruz, the superintendent, sent out an email a couple days ago to parents saying this second version will have changes. Some things from the first plan will be gone. They still want to close schools. They still have to do something. So we're kind of waiting on that right now. If the Board of Trustees is to talk about it on Monday at their work session, something legally has to be posted tonight. The district met with families, teachers, and community members to talk about the latest version of the closure plan, which would have Brooke close next year. Many parents expressed concern for the special education students and moving them away from a program that is helping them and putting those kids through another transition. Ben Decker is a special ed teacher at Brooke. It's really challenging to get um, a lot of focus on special ed and get the resources students need and have them performing well. And I think that's something that we've been able to do here at Brooke. The school board is expected to vote on a version of this closure plan November 18th. Claire McInerney, KUT News. Welcome to T.A. Brown. The school day is over, and a group of teachers from Brown Elementary and Webb Primary are standing outside of a trailer, wearing safety vests, hard hats, and protective glasses. They're about to get a tour of their new school. Yeah, this is not very typical that we would bring this many people on a tour, especially this close to a job finishing, because it, yeah. it can impact the work. But, um, Drew Johnson works in AISD's construction management is, department, you know, and he explained why the situation at Brown is different. In, in 2016, a structural engineer found that the crawl space in the, the school was crumbling. It could have caused the floor to collapse at any moment, so AISD immediately evacuated the school. Since then, students have been learning in portable classrooms at other elementaries. The district built T.A. Brown a brand new, modernized building to replace the old one, which is what the tour is of on this day of what spaces do you need, how are you different, what's unique. And a lot of that for our communities is aspirational. It's helping them dream about not how have you made do with what you have, but where do you want to go? You know, what I've tried to communicate... This is the kind of school AISD wants more of and says if it closes schools, we'll build for affected communities. But many people don't want it. I understand the need for 21st century buildings, but what about the academics? What about the curriculum? What can we really give to our children that stays with them? That's Pease parent Rose Wajardo. Pease is one of the schools AISD is proposing to close next year. I mean, a building's great. You're here for a few years. You can say, I went to a shiny building, but what do you get to carry on with you in your future? What, what is that foundation? What is that impression? But a modernized school isn't just about how new it is. It's also how the school functions. When school officials use the term modernize, they mean a few things. Yes, the building itself is new, but also classrooms aren't enclosed and have plenty of windows. There are rooms for small groups and spaces where multiple classrooms can work together on projects. Furniture moves around easily, so a teacher can reconfigure a room to fit a particular lesson. New technology is in every room and available to every student. So what does this look like in the real world? The Maynard Independent School District, outside of Austin, started converting its schools to fit this model over the past few years. Alice Fillmore is a kindergarten teacher at Lagos Elementary, the newest elementary school in the district. 
She's been an educator for 25 years and started at Lagos this year after transferring from Maynard Elementary, the oldest elementary school in the district. I had, you know, been with Maynard Elementary for so long, but um, I think the new school is a lot better. Fillmore says her favorite part of teaching at Lagos is that almost every wall in the two-story building is made of glass. When you walk along the main hallway on the second floor, you can look down into the library on one side and into the gym on the other. She likes that the principal and other teachers can observe her class without opening the door and interrupting. Each grade level shares a hallway, and each classroom exits into a shared open space where different classes work together on projects or activities. And all five kinder classes, close to 100 kids, can gather together to have community activities um, versus the old school. We didn't have that much space for all the kids. Throughout the discussion on potential AISD closures, many parents have said it feels as if AISD is trying to distract them with new buildings rather than focusing on the negative impact closing a school could have on children and the community. And that's because a school's closure can have emotional implications, too. Ora Houston is a former city council member, but she also went to school in AISD. Elsie Anderson High School. We use the whole name. Yes. Elsie Anderson was the all-black high school during legal segregation. It was closed during desegregation efforts in the 1970s to force black and white students to go to school together. Houston says Anderson is an example of the emotional and historical importance of school buildings. Anderson was a symbol of excellence for the Black community in Austin during a time when that community was given few resources to succeed. The district recently bulldozed the school building to build a modernized one for Eastside Memorial High School. It's unfortunate that that I live in a community where my history is not valued um, as, as, as others are. Even after it closed, she said having the building in the neighborhood was a reminder of her individual and shared past with other Black residents. Houston says when she lived in other cities, she would drive by the old building whenever she returned. It had a sense of, of place, a sense of place. Not only did I go there... And they set high expectations for us all. Many other people went there and made names for themselves and contributed to society. And yet there's nothing there that says this was a great place. And that's a concern people connected to Brooke, Metz, Sims, and Pease have now. As Austin changes so quickly, school buildings are one of the last reminders of what a community used to look like in some neighborhoods. People are sad to lose that sense of place. The school board will take a vote on some version of this plan November 18th. Claire McInerney, KUT News. The board voted to close Metz, Sims, Pease, and Brook Elementary Schools, although it was not a unanimous decision. Trustees Arthi Singh, Letitia Anderson, and Ann Tyke voted against the closures. Before the vote, Singh asked the district's chief equity officer, Stephanie Hawley, to come before the board and give her opinion on how equitable this plan is. Holly said while she's proud of the anti-racism work the board and district staff started over the last few months, she had hesitations about the plan. The map that you have of the closures 
is a map of what 21st century racism looks like. Holly said this plan didn't disrupt historical racism in the district. AISD will consider closing eight more schools and said they'll start that conversation next semester. Claire McInerney, KUT News. The reason equity could be important this time around is because of Stephanie Holly. So first of all, let me say good evening. She's the uh, district's new equity officer. And, and compared to her colleagues, who are often criticized for speaking in talking points and muddled communication, she's been speaking uh, frankly about issues in AISD. I'm Here she is speaking at the November 18th school board meeting. The map that you have of the closures is a map of what 21st century racism looks like. But she says her job is not to be what she calls the equity sheriff. She wants to make sure that every conversation with every person in every department is thinking about equity when decisions are made. Her biggest equity concern is how the district educates low-income students and students of color. Here's the reality in schools with a lot of poor kids. Schools have fewer resources, less experienced teachers, PTAs that can't raise hundreds of thousands of dollars to make up for what the district can't provide, and parents who often don't have the same time and resources to lobby for what their kids do need. To begin this conversation with AISD staff, she wrote an equity report that reviewed the initial closure plan and its rollout. That was released this month. While the report is critical, saying many aspects of that plan were inequitable, Holly says she doesn't view her job as trying to be combative with her new colleagues. A lot of times people don't understand that shame and blame is not particularly useful, but you do have to tell the truth. You can either choose um, uh, soft lies or hard truth. And when children are being uh, harmed in educational systems, uh, as an equity officer, I have to tell the hard truth. And telling hard truths is the role of equity officers in many school districts yeah. across the country. All right. Yeah, that, I was hearing some crazy feedback there for a second. Okay. One example is the work Chris Chapman is doing in the Oakland Unified School District in Oakland, California. And Oakland has not figured it out. <laughs> We're just 10 years in. Chapman has been doing equity work in Oakland for a decade. He started the African-American Achievement Program, and now he's the Senior Advisor of Equity and Inclusion. And he says it can be a daunting job. We are actually an outlier. The audacity of what we're being asked to do is pretty extraordinary, right? I mean, we're talking about really dismantling a mindset that's been fully baked for generations, both in the institution, the system and structure, and black, white, brown, or otherwise, we've been trained and brought up in it. And this is the kind of undoing Holly is beginning in AISD. She says she wants to do more training with staff and continue having hard conversations about how students are served. But she said she commends the superintendent for starting an equity department. That takes courage because that is an, an admission that what we're doing is not working. And that is the absolute first step in changing the culture. But there has to be patience and empathy for people as they come to grips with what it is we've been doing for a very long time. Chapman says the education system in the U.S. wasn't designed to serve black students, immigrant students, Asian and Latino students. Because when we started public education, those students weren't in the classrooms with white children. So his role is to help leaders undo their idea of who school is for and how to teach every kid. Oakland is similar to Austin in many ways. Its student population is mostly kids of color. There is a high population of students from low-income homes. And because of declining enrollment, they are also closing schools. 
Unlike Holly, Chapman was in his role when this closure process began, and he was part of the strategy conversations. But similar to Holly, he had a differing view of how his school district should approach school closures. So my strategy was take the problem to the people. Nothing uh, about us without us, right? So meaning that we can solve our own problems, (laughs) that the problem of school closures should not have a group of people, senior leadership, in a a room coming up with, this is what we're going to do. But that's not how Oakland approached it. Chapman says that's part of doing this job. He's worked under different superintendents and says this work can look different when new leaders come in because everyone's at different points. He says he has to be picky about what to fight for because he can't do it all at once. And he still wants some wins. And finding wins and seeing change happen is really important to Chapman because otherwise he says the job can become token. And it's happened to him when the Oakland school board wouldn't adopt certain policies. It just becomes window dressing and, and the, oh, we have an office of equity. But when we really get to the action steps, the opportunity to really lean in and hold people accountable, the system stepped away. This is the challenge Holly and the rest of AISD face as they get the new equity department up and running. This school year, Holly says one of the wins she'd like to see is for AISD to hire an outside group to do an equity audit of the district. Until I know how deep the mud is, it's difficult to plan how to get out. We need a third party to come in and share with us what we're doing well so we can build upon it and then help us disrupt that which is not serving our kids well. And this audit could look at many things. Money, first and foremost. What are the decisions around schools that get money for programs, buildings, and support? Are low-income kids and special education students getting the support they need? Are schools with wealthy and involved parents getting more because they're persistent in asking? These kinds of things are examples of the 21st century racism Holly mentioned at that school board meeting. And she says Superintendent Cruz seems open to this kind of audit. Claire McInerney, KUT News.